This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Michael, before we get into our question for today, I think you wanted to share with our listeners some of the metrics and some of the updates of our Q&A. Yeah, 2017 was a blast. And yeah. uh, we actually changed a couple things in 2017. We took the summer off, which was probably good for our heads. <laughs> and uh, we moved from five days a week to three days a week. But um, we also, um, our downloads and uh, audience has gone up pretty Ooh. significantly, actually. So we do less and listeners go up. Yeah. They like you guys less. Yeah, right. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to announce all the new countries that are now represented with listeners to the Village Church Q&A podcast. The Russian Federation. These are all of from 2017. Oh. Previously, we had no listeners in these countries, and now we do. The Russian Federation, Italy, Algeria, Sweden, Kuwait, Thailand, Ghana, Switzerland, Bangladesh, India, Peru, Oman, 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 mm-hmm. and Finland. So we have new listeners. Um, somebody in all of those countries tapped in, and uh, and actually crazy. a handful of them. We have multiple, multiple downloads. And the country that is represented with our second highest audience is, well, Hong Kong. Is Hong Kong a country? <laughs> Isn't it like a weird... Yeah, Hong it's Kong a is a city, city, but it's like this own like subsidiary of China. Yeah, there's whatever. enough people there to be its own country, but it is a city. Yep. Third is Canada. And then fourth is <laughs> the United Kingdom, followed by Australia. Uh, fifth is the United Arab Emirates. Five is China. Then Singapore, South Africa, Malaysia, Japan, New Zealand, Germany. Cameroon. How fun is that? Anyways, it's very cool to see how we're able to uh, tap in and to touch people in different parts of not just like our area, our sphere of influence, but the sure. world. How cool is that, dude? So, anyway, is amazing. Welcome to our global audience. That is so. That's so fun to see happen. And uh, you know, we do this when we sit down. You know, it's you and me. We're in dance studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do this uh, initially. We did this for just village, village church, church to serve our people to encourage them. And uh, do you want to know what the most downloaded podcasts were? Yeah, that would be interesting to hear. Our number one most downloaded Q and A podcast is drum roll. The one featuring Dan Luters. The one featuring Dan Luters. No. No. Should I shop at Target? Episode one. I remember that. We had a lot of interest in that. Yep. Uh, number two is uh, episode 433. If homosexuality is still a sin today, then is it still punishable by death? Ooh, uh, that's yeah, a great yeah. one. The next one actually is what is a church plant? Oh. Not interesting. Um, is it okay for someone to cross-dress? That's episode 453. Episode 215, what's the difference between Islam and Christianity? Episode 233, are we being disobedient to God if we are overweight? Apparently, there's a number of uh, people mm, who are okay. curious. Could if be about. That is a sin. So, um, anyways, I uh, just want to give you guys a little bit of a, a big picture overview of what's been happening at the Q&A. So, we are buckling down. We've got Tons of questions on the docket. Um, right now, uh, Village Church East and Village Church of Bartlett, we are teaching through Genesis chapters 1 through 11. And so you're going to also start hearing tons of questions about creation and dinosaurs and the flood <laughs> yes. and science and bringing some smart people, hopefully, to help us get our, our head around some of this stuff. So with that today, Tim, we have a doozy of a question. We have some questions from the Old Testament scriptures. And so our question for today is, why does God allow children to be punished with their fathers in the Old Testament. So there's a fundamental concern. So if you're not a Christian, your concern is going to be very simply this. Uh, God appears to be evil. Evil. And this is unjust. Right. 
for the believer, the concern is very simply um, not wanting the God that they know is good to look evil, right? Yes, that's right. And there's a big lie that we we have to always just dismantle when we talk about difficult questions about things God does or does not do in the Old Testament, which is, is the God of the New Testament different than the God of the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. The answer is absolutely no, not. In fact, uh, Jesus pours out wrath and anger on the entire world in Revelation. Sure. Jesus isn't the good cop and then the father is the bad cop. You right. know, like um, what you actually find is much of the judgment in the Old Testament is actually attributed to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. New Testament. Yeah. And so this isn't an issue of, of good God, bad God, good cop, bad cop. There's mm-hmm. one God. He's eternally divine in nature. He is eternally holy and righteous. And what we're going to find as we get to the end of the world and we get to look back is that the methods of God and his sense of justice and what he allows, ordains, or permits don't actually change a whole lot. Right. The Old Testament does, though, is very uniquely describes the stories in a way that makes Americans or Westerners particularly feel pretty uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. In fact, in uh, Middle Eastern countries, when they read the stories of the Old Testament God, uh, any countries that have more of an Islamic influence, it doesn't uh, doesn't freak them out as much. No, no. Culturally, it's more palatable. Is yeah. that the right word? Palatable. Yeah, palatable. 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 Yeah. yeah. You, you do say— uh, I yeah. do say certain words a little strange. I like know, that. I though. understand that. You know what? It's endearing, <laughs> and I hope you never stop. <laughs> so here's a, here's a principle. Uh, sin is never a private issue. No. In the Western world, we think that we can sin, and it only affects the individual. It never does. Yep. Let's get personal. I, I did not prepare you for this. Let's sure. be clear. Name one way that your sin has negatively affected your children. One way? One way. Oh, my goodness. As a type A personality, you know. So type A personalities are sinful. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and I know that type B personalities would always say that. You know, you guys are just way too driven. Pull the stick out of your you know, and it's just... You've actually never really struck me as a hyper type A. I mean, <laughs> let me be honest. That's a, oh, I've been around some I type have been A's there. keeping it in check. God has been keeping it in check. I'm proud but of you. man, I am a type A. I, I am very competitive by nature. And that has washed down onto my kids. Mm. And there's been times as they're now parents themselves, it's like, oh my goodness, my kids are mimicking me and the mistakes that I made as a parent. And yet it opens the doors for conversation about, you know what? Remember when I did that with you as a kid? That didn't go over too well. Mm. You need to remember it didn't go too well when you were a kid, and it's not going to go too well with your kids. Absolutely. Well, this is the rhythm that God has put into the world, that what you do affects other people. And in the family unit, it is a sacred unit where everything one person does profoundly affects everyone else. So we say three greatest wounds you can have in life are daddy wounds, family, Mm -hmm. sex wounds, typically family, but, you know, Mm -hmm. church wounds, spiritual family. Like there's something about this dynamic of the family, Family spiritual or physical, that has a profound ability to dynamically make our lives miserable. Sure. So when my son's friends are mean to him at school, that's one thing. But when when his dad, mom, and sisters are, it just takes it to a new new level. And uh, this is normal and right. And um, this is good. It's the way God designed the universe. And that is a part of it. So let's just read a couple scriptures, get our head around these. And do you have uh, Exodus uh, 34 in front of you? You want to read that? Yeah, I want to read Exodus 34, 6 and 7 because it balances, to me, this passage balances and and it repeats something that, was said earlier in Exodus. The Lord, there's an emphasis there, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So there's that balance between the merciful God, but the God who will not overlook sin. Yep. So earlier in Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now listen to this. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but mm. showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Yeah, again, it's that balancing just in reverse order that yep. time. But then Deuteronomy holds this also in tension, says fathers shall not be put to death for their children. So the sins of the kids will not be, the fathers will be punished by it. But nor are children put to death for their fathers. Each is to die for their own sin. Now, this is talking about it legally in the Jewish courts, mm-hmm, right? If, right. If, a, if a kid does something illegal, you can't kill the father or whatever. You know, so mm-hmm. that's when humans are making the decisions, um, when the, the Israel elders are deciding, is this a sin? Are they guilty? And what's the punishment? Right. They're not allowed to apply that punishment to the fathers or to the sons. Ezekiel says, the soul who sins is the one who will die. The son will not share the guilt of the father, nor the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked man will be charged against him. So the felt concern is that of justice here. But here's where the biggest concern should be. Um, Everybody is going to die. In God's view of death, I feel like is a lot different than ours. Our view of death is preserve all life right now, right now. But, you know, it's just it's, sure. it's very, very desperate. And understandably, because we desperately want to live. And God sees the whole scope of the universe and hell and heaven and eternity. You know, for him, I don't know that death is as devastating um, for him as it is for us. You know, so his concern is the afterlife. So this Ezekiel passage talks about, look, when you do righteousness— it's not going to get applied to somebody else, right? And this should absolutely, by the way, blow the whole idea of, sure. of um, what's the Catholic practice of uh, indulgences yeah. where one person does something and gets applied to the spiritual count of another person. But also the wickedness, right? Um, when when we die in the day of judgment, I'm not going to be held accountable for your sin or my father's sin or anything of the sort. I'm held accountable for my sin. And now the, now the question comes, okay, but he does say, I will punish the kids to the third and fourth generation. So like if I lived under the old covenant law in theory— uh, if I am in a relationship with God, if I'm a part of the covenant people whom this is written to, and I rebel, then God could, in theory, inflict my great great grandchildren. Like that's a that's yeah. a that's a concerning thought, and it violates our senses of justice. So we have three options. Mm-hmm. Tim, you pick the one you like the best. Okay. Number one, God is saying this: I will punish your kids, Tim, if you mess up. That is not in character of God. The results of sin are going to be passed on because of the sin of the father or the grandfather, and those consequences are going to be passed down. But as we've already read, we die for our own sins. Correct. So David and Bathsheba have a baby. The baby dies because Because. of their sin. Yes. So did God punish their kid because they messed up? Yeah, I've heard that before as well. But here's the thing. As, as Christians, we think death is the great punishment. We don't see death as a great victory. Death for 
those who know Jesus, that trust Jesus, it's not a punishment. Death is a natural consequence, Hmm. but it is a celebration, victory, going home to be with the Lord. And David even said when when his uh, servants came to him after they gave him the bad news, which they thought was bad news, hey, the, the child has died. And David was in mourning and sackcloth and wasn't eating. And then David takes his sackcloth off mm-hmm. and says, prepare a meal. Because even though this child won't be able to come back to me, I will one day see this child. David saw that as a celebration. And yes, he suffered the consequences of that. But this child got to go and be with God. Right. So your perspective, not you, Tim, but just generally people listening, Mm -hmm. your perspective on death reorients your understanding of punishment. Yes. So for some people, death is a punishment by God. God's like, no, I'm done with you. You're out of here. You're dead. Right. For some people, death is is a reprieve and a relief. And and I think Uh, it can be both. But typically, the only way it is seen by our culture is death is a punishment. Correct. So the second option, by the way, I'll just, I'll say it. I don't know that I necessarily disagree with what you said. I don't know if I'm there yet. Okay. So option number one is, so Tim, I'm God, hypothetically. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I will punish your kids if you mess up. Uh, Option number two. If you mess up, I will put a rhythm into the world where your kids will be messed up. So I'm not doing it. Yeah. But here's what I need you to know. If you do this, the consequences will reverberate. Yeah. And I kind of embrace that a position. You know, the the sins of the father is passed on to the son. There are some genetic and I, I would say incest, as you know from where yeah, you come from. Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> there are traits. There are there are situations that the consequences do get passed. In fifty on. years we're gonna look back and we're yeah, gonna listen exactly. to that and be like, we were so culturally insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. The biblical story that I think of is Achan. The Israelites were clearly told, do not take any of the possession of this this city when you conquer it for yourselves. Achan does. He takes it back to his tent. He buries it. He hides it. He thinks he's going to get away with it. And the next city they go to, they suffer a terrible loss. Were the kids complicit? Because the kids died as a result of this. And see, that's where I would argue the entire family was punished because the entire family knew. They were taken before the entire congregation and casting lots, and they were like, okay, who did it? Who did it? Who did it? And no one's confessing until it, the lot finally falls on Aiken and his family, and it's like, oh, yeah, we did it. Yep. It's like, well, you had plenty of opportunity to confess this. Yep. Imagine how nervous he was, like, waiting for like, Yeah, like, it's like, how are you going to get away with this? This is God. You're not going to get away. Let's go over the three options. So yeah. I've only said two. My, my conclusion would be the third one. Okay. Uh, happy to have my mind changed on it. Sure. But so far, that's where I'm at. Option number one, Tim, I will punish your kids if you mess up. Option number two, Tim, if you mess up, you will mess up your kids. Yes. Option number three, both. So here, here's why I would probably take that stance. Like on this podcast, it is not missed on you or I. Sure. That people listen to this and some of the issues we deal with are sensitive. For example, uh, we just did one on uh, women pastors and teachers. A couple yeah. a couple weeks ago, Brianne was in here and we talked about it. We did two episodes. Both of them were like a half hour long. It was, it was a pretty – Oh, okay. It was for real, you know. And and uh, But I'm also really well aware. Like we've had a family or two, you know, leave our church because they want women pastors, you know. Yeah. And it's like there's – There's one there's or, other churches for that, fine, but yeah. that's not village church. And that's amicable and that's fine. You know, uh, I understand that. And um, – 
But it's not lost on us that we say things. And um, we know, we can feel it sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are things that uh, that are going to land really hard on people. Sure. And whenever you talk about evil and the responsibility of God, it becomes it becomes palpable. Whether or not we have the vocabulary to articulate it, it's there. So, for example, when we talk about Calvinism and predestination, mm-hmm. double predestination, like, is it plausible that God would prede- create somebody to be an object of wrath, as Romans 9 says? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is that a plausible scenario? Is that, how does that fit in the nature and character of God? These are palpable things, right? And there is this current, I'll just, I'll call it out in the, American evangelical world that so badly wants to get God off the hook. Yeah. Really badly. So when something doesn't like feel right, we're like, that can't be true. That can't be true. That can't be true. There's got to be another explanation, right? Uh, we're dealing with creation right now and and it's unbelievable how clear scripture is about, right. I mean, scripture's mm-hmm. view of creation is clear. Very clear. It's not even, and yet all these Christians are like, I got to get God off the hook. I got to get, there's got to be an alternate understanding. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it comes up on like every issue, we're desperate to get him off the hook. But here's my challenge with it. Adam and Eve, they sin. And everyone in the world, yeah, the consequences punished. have been passed down right. to all of us, even to this day. Right. David and Bathsheba sin. And uh, the kid dies. Yeah. Like, okay, yes, he lives. Maybe, like, like maybe, 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 maybe. If the kid had lived, he would have rebelled and gone to hell. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. this was a great act of mercy on God. Maybe yeah. he executed justice on David and mercy on the child all simultaneously. Sure. And then when we get to heaven, we'll be like, whoa, that was amazing. Totally plausible, right? But as it's articulated, it seems like uh, because, David, you did X, your kid will die. Because you and Bathsheba did this, the kid's not going to live. And intuitively, like my heart language wants to get God off the hook. Mm. I remember when I heard about the doctrine of election for the first time, I was really angry. Sure. But I had to come to grips with this. God will never, ever appeal to my American sensibilities. Ever. And because whatever God God does is just. It is just and and it's good. And it is righteous. Yes, absolutely. And that's where I'm like, I'm like, uh, I think the majority of the time, the vast majority of the time, uh, the answer is is what you would hold up as number two, right? Mm-hmm. If you mess up, you you will mess up your kids. Yeah. I believe that is probably the primary default. But I also see a handful of times in Scripture that the decision of one necessarily results in the punishment of others. What I will say, though, is nobody will stand on the day of judgment responsible for somebody else's sin. Correct. There's a whole bunch of theological propensities in evangelicalism that I don't agree with, uh, liberal theology, some stuff on uh, LGBTQ, which I would even take out of evangelicalism now, but Arminianism, you know that I'm not an Arminian. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting, though, that I find almost every uh, divergency from Scripture is motivated by, subconsciously, not intentionally, Mm -hmm. a desire to get God off the hook. Yeah. You know? So what's interesting is— Or to uh, align his character with our character. Yeah, or what I perceive his character— yeah, could be or should, should be. be. you know? And it's interesting because we get a lot of these tough questions, and sometimes my answer is like, yeah, God killed them all. Yeah. And oh, I can't believe he would do that. And for most people, um, this is why we say, like, I can't come to Christ before I get all these questions answered. Why would God kill kids in the Old Testament? The answer will not make you want to trust in Christ. Yes. God killed people in the Old Testament because he can, and it was just. Now, mm-hmm. we, we're going to talk about tomorrow, why would God command Moses to destroy all the Midianite women and children in Numbers 31? Sure. Hugely yeah. difficult text for a Westerner to look at, yeah. you know? Here's the deal, though. He did. He did. Right? You know? Yeah, yeah, right. And then here's the quandary that the human is left with. 
I will never worship a God like that. Well, all right. Well, there is no other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, like, what's that's your other a, choice? Like, you have no other choice. Well, I'm going to worship this religion. Well, that's cute until you die. Yeah. But when you die, there's no other choice. You're mm-hmm. left with Jesus. Yeah. Or nothing. Right. And that's what's really hard about a lot of this stuff is that people want to get off the. And I, and as, as I'm saying that to our listeners, I want to just empathize for a moment. I hear, Tim and I hear, we do, your desire to make God not look bad in Western eyes. Uh, I'm not saying that's your ultimate motivation. I'm not saying you're going to reject God if he doesn't like sure. look good and everything. I'm just saying like we feel yeah, that. We and sometimes when people ask questions, these questions uh, are not a barrier to them trusting in Jesus Christ. They are an excuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, when somebody realizes there is one God, there is no other, he will do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And it is our job to either submit and love him and trust in Jesus Christ or to reject him. The answer to this question is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, it really, it really does become irrelevant. And uh, and here's my firm conviction that if I say this a hundred times a week, I'm sure when I preach, it comes out. I think in almost every sermon now, if I knew what God knew, I do. What I God do did. what He does every, every time. time. That's it. And the problem is we are finite and fallen and little, and and uh, our perspective is trite, and we see things only from a human narcissistic perspective, and it's littered with sin. You know, it's like sure. At some point, we got to say. We're not equipped to uh, discern the sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God and to say he's evil and wrong when we know a fraction of the information. Totally agree with you that know? statement. So, for what it's worth, that was my little like rant. Yeah. In light of that, we should probably go to the end of this and yeah. answer next week's message. And, or not next week's message. Who am I? What is happening right now? <laughs> Episode 505. 505 will be, why would God command Moses to destroy all the Midianite women and children in Numbers 31? Please join us next time. He would never. He would never.